0: This is the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast, episode number 22. Home improvements, home renovations, home maintenance, home repairs, and all the other challenges of home ownership. Welcome to the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast. Hello, friends. My name is Doug, and this is the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast. And the title of this episode is Measure Twice. Cut thrice. We've all heard the expression, measure twice, cut once, and we all know what it means. You should always double-check your measurements to make sure they are accurate before you cut your material. Cut something too long, you'll waste time running back to the saw to tweak it. That's the best-case scenario, because if you cut something too short, there's no way to recover from that in most cases. Not only is that time wasted but it's also money out of your pocket in wasted material. So why do I say measure twice, cut thrice? Well, of course here I am referring to myself, because I tend to take things just a little bit too far sometimes. Let's say, for example, that I'm cutting some trim. I will measure it once, and then I will measure it again to double-check that first measurement. Then I'll go to my miter saw and I'll transfer that measurement onto the piece that I'm going to cut. I line up the cut. I fire up the saw. And then I will second-guess myself. Sometimes I just measure, you know, take the measurement for the cut again. Sometimes I will take the original measurement again and start the whole process over before I'm confident enough to put that spinning blade through the trim. And it doesn't necessarily end there. I will sometimes leave the cut strong or err on the side of cutting something a little bit too long and then I will gradually sneak up on the actual measurement. Do I waste a lot of time? Yeah, you betcha. Needless to say, I can't do this stuff for a living. Imagine if I was on a construction site and I was told to cut some material. Five minutes later, I would still be cutting that same piece. I wouldn't last a day without being fired. After all, on a construction site, time is money, and things need to get done as quickly and efficiently as possible. Fast and efficient, I am not. But you know what, that's okay. Because when it comes to my own projects, I'm not working for anyone other than me. That's the upside of being a do-it-yourselfer. You can work at your own pace. Personally, I would rather go through that second-guessing and triple-checking and all that wasted time just to avoid making any mistakes. And let's face it, it's easy to make mistakes. I'm going to share with you some of the measuring mess-ups that I've committed and the reasons for them. Maybe it'll help you avoid making some of the same mistakes. Let's start with reading the measuring tape. You have all these numbers and hash marks, and after a while, everything starts looking the same. Seriously, though, I can't read a tape measure at a glance, especially when the measurement is sixteenths. I mean, a sixteenth of an inch is small, and my eyes are as old as I am. Now, fortunately, those hash marks are different lengths, so you can see at a glance the quarter inch and eighth of an inch intervals without too much difficulty. In a split second, my brain will be able to drill down the measurement first to the nearest quarter and then to the nearest eighth. And then I can count the sixteenths. There are a couple ways I can mess up here. The first is to simply lose track of exactly where I'm drilling down. You know, the measurement could be Nine-sixteenths, which is a sixteenth of an inch over half an inch. So, you know, there's the half-inch hash mark, and the measurement is the first sixteenth over that. Or is it five-sixteenths, which is a sixteenth of an inch over a quarter inch? Which larger hash mark am I actually looking at for my base? Now, especially later in the day, as fatigue sets in, the hash marks all look the same. And really, this is just stupid error. It's all about paying attention to detail. And when I find myself making this sort of error, it's time to quit for the day. That's the other advantage of being a do-it-yourselfer. You always have the luxury to call it quits for the day. The other way that it's easy to mess up is to actually look at the measurement in the wrong direction. Because you don't always look at a tape measure right side up. So you could be reading it from left to right or from right to left. So is that measurement three eighths or five eighths? Is it an eighth to the left or to the right of the half inch mark? So now, after double checking the measurement and making sure that we've read it correctly, it's time to go and make the cut. To avoid making a mess in the house, my saw is set up either in the garage or out on the patio. So, I will commit the measurement to memory and head out to my workstation. What could possibly go wrong? Eh, Distractions, that's what. My wife says something, or something on the TV catches my attention as I walk by. And that measurement that I committed to memory evaporates into the ether. Or, with or without distractions, the brain starts playing tricks. Was that measurement 50 and 3 eighths? Or was it 53 and an eighth? Memory is unreliable. Better write it down. And remember when you write the measurement down, that neatness counts. Especially if you're like me and you can't read your own writing. Seriously the few seconds that you save by quickly scribbling the measurement on a piece of paper, it isn't worth the risk of not being able to read what that measurement is when you go to make the cut. Instead of using scrap pieces of paper that will get mixed up and end up just being a huge mess, get in the habit of carrying a small notebook. It's only taken me 20 years to figure this one out. Use a pen. Take your time. Write carefully. And be sure to cross off the cuts as you make them so you don't make the same cuts again. Simple. It's simple. And when I say that neatness counts, I mean it. Just um, just ask my wife. It was late 90s. Hard to believe that it was two decades ago. It's funny how time flies the older you get. But it was back in the late 1990s, before we were married. My wife, well actually, at the time she was my girlfriend, and I went to a lot of concerts. And I had an envelope where I kept the tickets, and I had written down all the dates. So all I had to do was glance at the list to see what shows were coming up. Well, we had tickets for The Temptations. My wife enjoys herself some Motown. I'm not necessarily as much of a fan, but I do like The Temptations. When it comes to Motown, they would be my first choice. So anyway, we knew that concert was coming up, so I checked the list. I checked my list, and I verified the date, the 25th. On the 25th, I grabbed the tickets out of the envelope, and I put them in my wallet. And we drive to the venue, park the car, and walk to the gate. I hand the tickets to the attendant, and they rip off the stubs, and then I place the tickets back in my wallet. It was an outdoor venue, and we had lawn seats, so there was no need to verify seat numbers or anything like that. As I recall, it was a beautiful evening, perfect for a concert. We find a perfect spot on the lawn and sit down. It was still early, plenty of time to kill before the show. The crowds really hadn't started filtering in yet. But after a while, my wife notices that something was mm, a little bit off about the crowd. Now, I didn't notice at first because I was pretty oblivious, but this crowd was not the kind of crowd that you would expect at a Motown show. The crowd was mostly white. And there were a lot of mullets. So I agreed. Yeah, that is strange. And for the first time, I started paying attention to the video screens, which were promoting coming events. Got tickets for that one. Don't have tickets for that one. Oh, I wish we had tickets for that one, but we don't. And so on and so forth. Until the screen shows that night's attraction. Night Ranger. What the? Night Ranger? We didn't have tickets for Night Ranger. So it's not like I got the show dates mixed up. I pulled the tickets out of my wallet and there it was. The first time I looked at the date on the tickets since I first bought them. The Temptations. The 23rd. Talk about a worst-case scenario. Not only were we there on the wrong night, but the show that we actually had the tickets for had already happened. And we missed it. Not good. Don't get me wrong, I have nothing against Night Ranger. They hit when I was in high school. Got lots of radio airplay. So they were part of the soundtrack for that period of my life. I wasn't a big enough fan to buy any of their cassettes, but, well, we always cranked up the volume whenever Sister Christian came on the radio. Don't judge me. At this point, I just wanted to leave, but being the gentleman that I am, I asked my date if she wanted to stay since, well, you know, we were already there. No. No. Let's just go. Well, that was fine with me. We make our way to the gate and security stops us and tells us that we can't leave. Once you leave, you can't come back in. Yeah, that's okay. We're we're not coming back. Is something wrong? Yeah, we're here on the wrong night. We uh we don't have tickets for this show. Well if you want, you're welcome to stay. Apparently it wasn't a sold out show, surprise, surprise. Yeah, no, we really we're uh, we're just gonna go. So what tickets did you have? Temptations. Oh yeah, that was two nights ago. Oh man, that was a good show. Gee, thanks, buddy. You're uh not helping. Later when I got home I took a look at my list. Temptations, 25th. How could I have made such a stupid mistake writing down the wrong date? And then I took a closer look. It wasn't the 25th after all. I had indeed written down the 23rd. It's just that, well, my three looked a whole lot more like a five the way I had scribbled it down on the piece of paper. Sometimes I just can't read my own writing. Neatness counts. But what about accuracy? How accurate do you need your measurements to be? Do we have to go to the 16th of an inch? Or is the 8th of an inch accurate enough? Of course, it depends on what you're doing. Tolerances for framing versus building fine furniture aren't exactly the same, you know. In other words, don't sweat the details if the details don't need to be sweated. Not everything has to be dead-on accurate. That's what trim is for. In fact, with some things like wood or laminate flooring, you need to leave a gap around the edge to allow for expansion. Specifications like at least an eighth of an inch or about three sixteenths of an inch are common. So, does it have to be exact? No. Does it matter if your gap is a little bit bigger? Not really. It depends on the size of your trim. That gap is going to get covered by trim. Just like you have rough openings around windows and doors. Why? Because it allows room to square up whatever you're installing. It allows room to make sure that everything is level and plumb. And the gaps? They all get covered by trim. So there's some room for error. No need to get things to the nearest 16th. On the other hand, there are situations where greater accuracy is called for. Like when you're cutting that trim. If you're cutting wood trim that's going to be stained, you want things to be nice and tight. If you're installing paint-grade trim you have a little more wiggle room. Gaps can be filled in with painter's caulk, and you won't see them once it's all painted. That's a luxury you just don't have with stained trim. Now, when we had our kitchen remodeled in the money pit, the allowance for the stove was an eighth of an inch larger than the actual stove. That allowed for a whopping sixteenth of an inch on either side. If the granite was not cut perfectly, or if the stove was not measured accurately, we would have had a serious problem. That's some really tight tolerances. Speaking of door openings, when you are installing a pre-hung door, your rough opening is supposed to be about two inches larger than the door. I, right now, am gradually replacing the doors in our house. The door for one of the bedrooms was 29 inches wide, not 30 inches, not 28 inches, 29 inches. The rough opening was only 31 inches, not big enough to install a 30 inch prehung door. I could have gone down to a 28 inch door, but you know, that's kind of narrow for a bedroom. So I went to the home center to special order a 29 inch door. I found our style. I told the gentleman that I wanted to special order it, and he looked at me like I was nuts. You can buy those off the shelf. I told him that I needed it to be 29 inches. Again, he looked at me like I was nuts, because doors just don't come that size. Yeah, I know. That's why I have to, uh, special order one. <clears throat> he goes on the computer and he brings up the information and he says oh yeah okay we can order you a 29 inch door great super he asked me if i want it to be pre-hung well heck yeah i don't want to have to mess around with machining or drilling anything myself oh wait no it's an odd size you can't get it pre-hung great i say I am not exactly looking forward to routing out for the hinges or drilling the hole for the knob. Maybe I'm going to have to get somebody to install this for me. He points over to one of the bays. There are door frame kits already machined. Perfect. And he says that, you know, the, the door will come machined. And he asked me what measurements I wanted, and we decided that all the uh, standard measurements were going to be fine. And then we went ahead and placed the order. A few weeks later, the door comes in, and I pick it up, along with the frame kit, bring it home, and give it a couple coats of paint. And then it sits for about a year, before I get to the point where I'm ready to install it. You see, there was already hardwood floor in the hallway, and I was installing laminate in the bedroom. I figured it was going to be easier to install the door over the finished floors, rather than undercutting the door in order to install the floor afterwards. The hardwood floor is three quarters of an inch thick. The opening with the floor was about 81 and a quarter. So the math was simple. Cut three quarters of an inch off the bottom of the frame. Prior to this, I had installed a few doors in the basement of my first house, and those doors all had to be trimmed because of the low ceiling. I was installing those doors before the finished floor, which was going to be carpet. So when I cut that inch off the frame, I cut the inch off the door and everything worked out. So in the back of my head, I remember that I had to cut the same amount from the door and the frame in the other house. And that's what I did did i cut 3 quarters of an inch from the frame and 3 quarters of an inch from the door exactly 3 quarters of an inch dead accurate oh i was so proud of myself i put the frame together i attached the door hanging clips i positioned the frame in the opening and made sure that the hinge side was perfectly plumb and then i got the door i hung it from the top hinge Perfect. But the uh, the bottom hinge? The bottom hinge didn't quite line up. It was off by about an eighth of an inch. Figures. Things were going so smooth up to this point. I use a utility knife to expand the one hinge recess in the door jamb so that I can finish hanging the door. Perfect. I check the swing. And the door stays in position no matter how open or closed it is. Everywhere along the arc. Perfect. I install the doorknob. The latch lines up perfectly, so I go ahead and I fasten the latch side of the frame. Perfect. I notice that the top of the door, though, is rubbing slightly on the header. No worries. That can be fixed with a little bit of sanding. I'm not too concerned with it. The only thing left to do now is to install the door stops. So I go downstairs to get them. And I closed the door behind me. When I return, I admire my work from the stairs. This door is directly at the end of the hallway and is visible from the bottom of the steps. And the door looks good. The paint job is perfect, if I do say so myself, and I do say so myself. But something is, something isn't quite right. I can see furniture legs, even though the door is closed. There's a pretty big gap at the bottom of the door. And that's when I break out in flop sweat. It looked bad. But... Was it as bad as it looked? I turned to the internet. Perhaps I could find some answers there. What is the standard gap between the floor and the bottom of a door? Well, the prevailing wisdom is one quarter of an inch to three eighths of an inch. Maybe as much as half an inch if it's needed for ventilation. So I grabbed my tape measure. The gap at the bottom of the new door is one Whole inch. So, um, yeah, let's do the math here. I trimmed three quarters of an inch and now had a gap of one inch. Had I not trimmed it at all, I would have had a quarter inch gap. Perfect. I could have got away with not trimming the door at all. So, Where exactly did I make my mistake? Well, an 80 80 by 30 door requires a rough opening of 82 by 32. The door jams are half an inch, one on each side. That's one inch. That leaves an inch for adjustments or roughly half an inch on each side of the door. The header jam is also half an inch. If you allow for that same half inch of measurement as the sides, that's going to leave a full inch at the bottom. And that full inch at the bottom allows for the flooring plus a gap. And the flooring was already installed. There was no need to trim the door. Now I'm angry at myself. Stupid, stupid mistake. Maybe I should have verified some measurements. After some discussion, I decide to order a new door. I mean, I just don't want this mistake staring at me as long as we live in this house. I go back to the home center and, as luck would have it, the same gentleman was working as a year ago. We went through the same discussions as we did a year ago, too. Seriously. I need a 29 inch door. Finally, he looks up and finds my order from the previous year. And yes, that's it. That's exactly what I need. So we place the order again. The new door finally comes in. I pick the door up along with another door frame kit. But this time I chose a different brand for the frame kit. I figured that everything was standard measurements and I didn't want to buy the same brand as before because, well, you know, we had the issue with the hinges being off location. This time, when I get everything home, I pull the frame out of the packaging, which was a mistake, and I check the hinge locations. Top hinge was exactly where it should be, and there would be a sixteenth of an inch allowance to the top of the door. The middle hinge was off by at least an inch, and the bottom hinge was off by even more. Now I'm seeing red. I had the door machined at so-called standard measurements. The question is, whose standards? I guess I'm going to end up having to machine my own door jams after all. I can probably flip this jam over and route the hinges on the other side, but the other side is messed up from the factory. It was never intended to be a visible surface. While I can't return the frame kit because I'd already opened it, I decided to go back to the home center anyway to yell at the gentleman in the door area. You know, you sell me a door with standard measurements and none of the door frames you sell work with it. But just for fun, before I left the house, I did a search online for a door frame kit under the same brand name as The Door. And one came up. And my store had a dozen in stock in a different bay. But when I got to the store, first of all, that bay did not exist. And in the bay that was the next number up or whatever, um, the only kiss in that bay were the brand that I first bought. But I had my tape measure with me because I was really planning on illustrating my point to the store employee. I took my tape measure out and I took measurements of the machinings in this kit. And they were dead accurate. I'm kind of glad that I took the measurements before confronting the store employee. I probably measured those recesses a half dozen times before I finally went through the checkouts. So... One door frame for the price of three, one door for the price of two. You can see why I can't do this stuff for a living. Finally, I want to share two ways to avoid making measurement errors. If you are using more than one tape measure, like using one to take the measurement and then having another one at your workstation to measure the cuts, Uh, I mean, that's what I like to do, so I always have a tape measure where I need it. If you are using more than one tape measure, make sure they are identical. Use the same brand and make sure that you get the same results with each one because that little hook thing on the end, that can sometimes get bent if you drop it and throw off your measurements. It's better to use the same tape measure for everything. The second tip is to avoid measuring when you can. This can involve putting a piece in position and measuring it directly, or it can involve using what is called a story stick, a piece of scrap that you can use to transfer markings. Just make sure that you remember which is the good side and which is the waste side. But any time that you can work without numbers and fractions and the need to do math, the less chance you have of committing human error. Before I wrap up, let me tell you about Thomas Avenue Ceramics. These guys are changing the way you shop for tile. Until now, you could go to a big box store and have a choice between the same three or four tiles as everyone else. Or, you could go to a tile store and try to sort through the overwhelming selection, all while being pestered by a um, helpful salesman. At Thomas Avenue Ceramics, you can browse their selection of floor tiles, wall tiles, backsplashes, and mosaics from the comfort of your own home. No pressure. Thomas Avenue Ceramics provides helpful design guides to get you started, measuring tools to ensure accurate orders, real-time live chat, and friendly customer service personnel available to answer any of your questions. Thomas Avenue Ceramics founders literally grew up in the tile business. They have an intimate understanding of the industry, which along with the working relationships built over many years, provides Thomas Avenue Ceramics with the means to produce beautiful, high-quality products, all available at the click of a button. As a listener of this podcast, you can save 20% off your order when you go to thomasavenuceramics.com slash hammer and enter the coupon code HAMMER. That's thomas, T-H-O-M-A-S, com slash hammer, and use the coupon code hammer at checkout. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Thumb and Hammer podcast. I want to thank you for listening and remind you that the show notes for this episode and other episodes can all be found at thumbandhammer.com. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher. And follow me on Twitter. I'll talk to you again soon. Cheers.